What's happening, everybody? It's Saturday at 12 noon. You know what time that means, baby. Hey everyone, it's Derek Lee Roth. You want? Oh, yeah! Derek Lee Roth, rocking out, <laughs> baby! Derek Lee Roth. Another episode of Mega Strange, yeah, yeah. I once saw David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar do a show together. Uh... And I was so young, I, I hated every fucking moment of it. <laughs> One time, I was at a concert, and this old burnout uh, from, clearly, he was like an L.A. scumbag. Yeah. Came up to me out of nowhere. I've told this story on podcast before. He shoved his hand into my face, and he goes, you see this hand? Kiss it. Oh. David Lee Roth did coke off of this hand. What a scumbag story. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, cool, Beach House is about to play. Yeah. Uh, is this in L.A.? This was at Coachella. Oh. About, uh, you know, a couple couple years back when I was hitting up the music festivals. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. <laughs> Welcome. This is the rock and roll episode. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking myths and legends from the music industry today. This is a special episode of Mega Strange, your go-to podcast for all things paranormal, supernatural, unexplainable, strange, weird, or just... Or just wrestling. Bizarrely oh. fascinating. And sometimes <laughs> we delve into the world of wrestling because we're fans of wrestling. Yeah. Shouts out to our guest last week, the incredibly buff Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin was such an amazing guest. Yeah, he was awesome. I... Uh, after talking to him last week was on cloud nine. Mm -hmm. I was just so stoked just to hear his uh, dedication and what life was like in the dojo. Mm. We actually went and saw an Alex Coughlin match this past Saturday here in San Diego. They yeah. had a luchador wrestling show. It was amazing. Some people out there don't care. Most, <laughs> most people out there don't care, but hey, we care. We care because uh, we're fans of his now. But today we're getting back into strange stuff. Weird stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. I like that. I like that. You ever <laughs> seen that Garth Brooks Facebook video where he- Oh yeah, it's classic. Asks people to just talk to him through Facebook and mm -hmm. he says they're going to get into slick stuff. I don't want to get into slick stuff with Garth Brooks. What What do you get a slick on to me, Garth? Let the conversation begin. Let the conversation with the police begin, <laughs> Garth, because you're being deposed. What did you do? Anyways, so today, this is the myths, legends, and... Musical myths. Uh, and I guess urban legends, urban legends from yeah. the music industry. Yes. The rock and roll industry. And just, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to stick to rock and roll. There's no. myths and legends from all genres going back a long time. A long, long time. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of years. We're just going to be covering... All kinds of different stories, but uh, yeah, how you doing, Johnny? I dressed up today. Yeah. I'm kind of like um, Kurt Cobain meets 
Who wears red? Uh, uh, Carmen San Diego. Yeah. Where in the world is Kurt Cobain (laughs) San Diego? He's right here. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, a little tired, so I'm trying to drink some coffee. Let me ask. When I was a kid, um, I grew up in the era of Tupac being dead, but then he wasn't really dead. Did you hear about this? Yeah. You ever hear about Machiavelli? Yes. That's what they called Tupac. There Hail was Mary. A- Sorry. I was, go ahead. That was just one of his songs. I like that song. What was the song? Hail Mary. Oh, he C- wrote Hail Mary? With me. Hail Mary and I'm going to Trixie. I don't know the song. It's when he was the fucking uh, hologram. That's the only song, Tupac song I know. You it's because I watched the hologram video. You know, I, I saw the Tupac hologram live. Oh, shit. At Coachella, baby. Same music festival. Uh, all my greatest rock stories come from that one year. <laughs> I went to that one Coachella. But so back in 1997... When I was in seventh grade, I was 12 years old. Everybody I knew swore that Tupac was still alive. It was like commonly accepted in my school. Yeah. Yo, Tupac's not really dead. Hey, you could hear Tupac rapping on this song that just came out. It's uncredited, but if you listen closely, you can hear Tupac back there, uh, back in the background. Over time, the Tupac myth. Yeah. It just kind of went away. I guess people just kind of got tired. Stopped caring, yeah. Or maybe with the dawn of the internet, it became clear like Bigfoot, you know? Hey, if Tupac's real, show me the pics. <laughs> Get him on video. Where show is he? Pics. And then when people were confronted with the classic pics or it didn't happen conundrum, they were unable to provide the proof. And the Tupac legend kind of just died out, sadly. Are there any of those legends that you believe in? There's one that I do believe in. Um, I don't follow music legends too uh, much. What's the yeah. one that you believe in? It's not really a music one, but I like to think that Andy Kaufman is still alive. I you, like the concept. You of that. like to think that, or you believe it? I believe that because he said like he would. He wanted to always fake his own death, and and there's people who've come out and been like he's alive, and like I I I know it's like in his humor to like feed into that, and like I think he has like family members who want to feed into like oh he's still alive. But I love that. I love the concept of Andy Kaufman being alive still. I don't think Andy Kaufman is no, still he's alive. he's definitely died. But well, <laughs> you so just said you believed he I was w- alive. I, I like to believe. It's a, it's a fun little thing to do. So I heard, speaking of Andy Kaufman, mm. that when Jim Carrey did the biography of Andy Kaufman, Man on the Moon, yeah. he got so into character that Andy Kaufman's daughter came and spoke to him because she kind of believed that he was channeling the spirit. Yeah, I saw that documentary. That doc that fucking shit makes me so mad. What? Uh the way Jim Carrey acted on the set of that movie. Oh, he was a prick. It makes me so mad. And like, I love Jim yeah, Carrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and, but I am saying this with love. When he was doing the Andy bit uh Andy Kaufman bit, yeah. <laughs> he was being a prick he was being to people. Uh you know, Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler famously did like a little wrestling feud. Here um, we go, talking about wrestling sorry. again. Uh, Johnny, you and, really got to uh, let this go. So on set, whenever Jerry Lawler was there, Jim Carrey would start fucking screaming at him and trying to fight him. And then it, even in that documentary, it cuts to Jerry Lawler. He's like, I don't know, me and Andy were best friends. I don't know what the fuck this dude's deal is. Every time I go on set, it's a fucking problem. Yeah, he hated <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I think Jerry Lawler, the wrestler, still to this day wants to <laughs> body slam Jim Carrey. Uh, if he Hell ever yeah. could get his hands on him. But 
We're not talking Sorry, about we Andy Kaufman yeah. today. We're not talking about movies. We are talking about the music industry. Yes. Myths and legends from the music industry. Ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy theories. Industry plants. Clones? Yes. Clones? I, I could go into one if you want me to. Did you ever hear the theory that uh, Gucci Mane has been cloned? No. So people uh, feel like Gucci Mane, the rapper, has gone through such a transformation. He's buff now. His face kind of looks different. They think it's not the real Gucci Mane. Yeah. They say that the real Gucci Mane died uh, around the time where he was sent to prison. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the music industry couldn't handle him not being here anymore. So they replaced him. I don't believe that's true because I read the Gucci Mane autobiography and he was just really overweight when he went to prison. He's like, I'm just going to start working out. And he got super buff. But people are people out there think that we're cloning uh, music industry superstars. You said you have a story on that? Yeah. Uh, Famously, there's one that I love that always makes me laugh uh, about Avril Lavigne. Wait, Uh, hmm? Avril Lavigne. First of all. Yeah. Can I share a personal connection sure. that I have with Avril Lavigne? Please. Avril Lavigne and I have the same birthday. Not just the day, the year. Oh, shit. You're we were age? born on the exact same day. Whoa. Avril Lavigne and I are exactly same age. Oh, shit. Same time? No. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say it. Same time. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We're cosmically linked in that way. I'm. Well, let's just say I'm. Let me rephrase this. Avril Lavigne is dark side Derek Acosta. Oh, shit. Well, think about it. Think about it. But that, I'm talking about the real Avril Lavigne. What do you know about this clone? Um, yeah. Avril so it, uh, a lot of people believe in like 2003 that she uh, died. What? When no. she was 18 years old? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, some people think that like after her first album, uh, she couldn't deal with the, uh, you know, the fame and, uh, they think she committed suicide. So Avril Lavigne, um, yes. that would be after complicated and skater boy. Yeah. The album let go was with all those, with all those, those hits. Does she have another hit off that album? Um, complicated skater boy. That's basically I it. I don't know. Uh, you said she committed suicide. Yeah. So that's the theory. And that she was replaced with a uh, body double. Did they say how named she named Jesse? Yeah. Did no, they... Melissa. Sorry. I was getting confused with the Elvis stuff. But yeah, Melissa. There's a photo of Avril Lavigne uh, that I have here that she took. It was, they did a photo shoot for one of the albums. And she had, she wrote in her hand, Melissa. I'll put it on the screen right now. Um, so they think that like. She had a friend that looked very similar to her and they were like best friends and she was like shouting her out. But like some people think that that Melissa is, uh, you know, the person that replaced her. You're saying the girl in this picture's name is Melissa. No, people think this is Avril, but they think this is like her, like giving a hint. <laughs> All these are like wait, stretches by the end. Wait, of the th- yeah. Giving a hint to what? So, I'm sorry because yeah. you said Avril Lavigne died yeah. when she was 18. This is this is when she was 18. This is a photo shoot she did. So she knew that she was going to commit suicide and be replaced? No, I think they th- the in the theory they say that she was friends with this girl Melissa. Okay. And this was her just being cute, but people use this as proof. 
Like they're like, oh, but who's Melissa? That must be her body double. Okay. Um, body doubles have been known to be used. Yeah. Saddam Hussein had a bunch of body doubles. That's the thing. Uh, they believe that she had a body double used to like throw off paparazzi and stuff named Melissa. Okay. And that's okay. They, they think that when she killed herself, they're like, she's too big. You know, complicated, such a, a fucking banger. We need to, Melissa get out there uh, and, and, and replace and I, her. I guess the theory would be that Avril Lavigne doesn't write her own music either. So, yeah, uh, the, um, the music industry just needs like a puppet or something to, and, to perform these songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's like vaguely believable, but it doesn't help when like, you know, stuff got uh, exacerbated over time. Like she went to the VMAs a couple years later and they uh, they called, they, they, they gave her a lower third that said Avril Lavigne. Oh no, they put her <laughs> name in quotes. So uh, that didn't help. That means that MTV was in on it Dude. and they knew that this was the fake Avril Lavigne. Dude, uh, that's Melissa. Um, a lot of people think that because also like she kind of looks different now. Um, she started putting out songs like Hello Kitty instead of the punk song she was putting out back then that she was replaced. Yeah. Um, and then I have some photos here of like people doing like some like facial comparisons. Oh no. Hold on. I'm going to get cozy. Oh here. shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buddy up to you here. Oh, pull my fuck. chair in. Oh, you what? You don't like me? <laughs> uh, so this is the, the facial. Okay. Can we put this up on yeah, screen? Yeah. These will right all be now? up on screen. All right. So. Let's take a, let me take these glasses off here. I got to get a good look at this. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's investigate here. Avril in 1999 is the original Avril. That's Avril, dude. By the second photo, 2004, this would be one year after Melissa has taken yeah. over. Yeah. I will say the nose. Dude. It's, it's slightly uh, pointier. Now, she could just have her chin down more, but maybe not. It appears... Her chin is not further down. She is smiling in the second photo. She's frowning in the first photo. <laughs> so think about that. She definitely, I think, went through a divorce in through all of this too, which is pretty funny to think about. Um, and then we move on to 2007. Now, 2007 compared to 2009 or 1999, the shape of the eyes looks yeah. different. The eyes are more round, <laughs> less squinty. Uh, and then 2016 compared to. 1999. Well, I mean, 17 years would have passed. It doesn't look like she's 17 years older. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like she's two years older. Uh, I definitely want to go into know. this and not like immediately like debunk everything. Uh, so we'll just leave it, leave it to you to decide if, if that's plastic surgery or not. Oh, or if she was actually replaced by a person named Melissa. Plastic surgery. That would um, explain it. She addressed these rumors a bunch and every time she's addressed it, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, she got like really defensive every time. And when people get defensive, like it only just spurs everyone up. Uh, she was on this radio show in Australia. Yeah. And they asked her, uh, quote, some people think that you're, uh, oh, sorry. This is uh, a quote from Avril. Quote, uh, some people think I'm not real, which is weird. Like, why would they say that? And then immediately the, the radio host said like, well, she actually never denied it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you, if you are a plant, if you are a body double, you just can't say no. I, I mean, there's some weird reptilian alien race rule that compels you to not lie on the radio. Technically, <laughs> she's got chip implanted. Yeah, the the big government controlling her brain uh, has it put the lying inhibitor 
in her speech, apparently. Yeah, like the the Patriots. Uh, in 2019, uh, Entertainment Weekly asked her about this as well. Entertainment EW got involved. I'm telling you, everyone's fucking with her. EW Entertainment <laughs> Weekly, that's big time. And uh, she said uh, it's just a dumb internet rumor and says that she's flabbergasted that people bought into it. Again, not denying it. Again, she doesn't deny it because, you know, the chip won't let her. Yeah. What do, what do you think about fake Avril Lavigne? You know, um, I I heard a story once that kind of the same thing happened with Andrew WK. Mm. That he, like, yes. died and was replaced. I didn't have time to look it up for mm-hmm. this episode, so maybe we'll have to do a follow-up episode. Oh, yeah, there's so much. more music industry legends. But it's interesting to me, both of those people came up at the same time. So yeah. maybe there was something to it in the late 90s, early 2000s of switching out these pop stars. Now, something is funky with Avril Lavigne because she married the guy from Nickelback. So she was married to the guy from Sum 41 first, then divorced him, then married the guy from Nickelback. Yeah. So clearly <laughs> there's some I'm sort Avril of Levine control head. and manipulation going on there by a clandestine agency, because yeah. how else could you explain those relationships? I don't know. Uh, after she divorced the dude from Sum 41, that guy like started to drink himself to death. Did you ever see those photos of him? Wait, did he die? No, he's alive. Oh, okay. But he almost died. He looked like a straight gremlin. <laughs> I don't have the photos, but oh. I could pull up on my phone if you want. That's sad. No, I don't <laughs> yeah, want you to pull that up. <laughs> We're later. trying to keep this a happy show. Sure. Look those up. They're funny. Um, That's really interesting. Okay. Yeah, so potentially Avril Lavigne died in 2003 and yeah. has been replaced by a body double. That's conspiracy theory number one yes. on today's episode. That's a good way to kick off this episode. I love this. It just makes me laugh. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, I just think it's very silly. I like the picture where it's in quotes, Avril Lavigne, <laughs> yeah, that's because that just shit. doesn't help her case at all. <laughs> that I was laughing about that for like five minutes. That's so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> Avril Lavigne. Um, you know, there's, I feel like all of these kind of go back to um, Paul McCartney and the Beatles. Yeah. Because he supposedly was killed in a car accident in 1966, according to this conspiracy theory that says that Paul was also replaced by a body double. I have a bunch of info on that as well. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you got on the Paul is dead conspiracy? So this one was a little crazy. I, I tried to, you know... Do in doing research, there was just so much and so many loose threads that I didn't know what to like grab onto. So I figured we just I've, like chat about yeah, it. Yeah, I've looked into this conspiracy theory yeah. as well, and it's so vast. Yeah, that, and very vague at times. Too. Yeah, it's hard to even make sense of it. And then at the end of the day, it's like, do I even care? Yeah, like the evidence <laughs> involves playing a bunch of Beatles songs backwards. And having in-depth knowledge about events that happened in the mid-60s. Yeah. It is, it is yeah, pretty wild. Why don't you tell us what you so, know? So, yeah, uh, the, the rumor claims that uh, he died in uh, November 9th, 1966. Okay. And was secretly replaced with a lookalike. He died in a car accident, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, McCartney died in a car crash. Uh, and to spare the public from the grief, uh, the surviving Beatles replaced him with a survi- uh, with the winner of a... Paul McCartney lookalike contest. Wait, so did they actually have a Paul McCartney lookalike contest? That's the thing. You can't find any info about this. I don't think they did. Okay. I think that's just the, you know, hearsay at this point. Um, and they found a guy named uh, William Campbell. And other people have 
also thought this guy's name is Billy Shears. So there's two names there floating around. Uh, no one knows the actual name of the Paul McCartney lookalike. Um, and so I think over time, like the Beatles just started feeding into these rumors because I think they thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the classic stuff like I buried Paul. Uh, there's a song. Wait, what? So tell people at home what I buried Paul is. Um, there is, I think it's in Strawberry Fields. Uh, there's a, a a moment where you hear John Lennon saying something. Uh, he's always said, like, I mean, he's not alive anymore. But when he was alive, he said that he was saying, I'm very bored. Oh, but okay. You could kind of hear it sounds like he's saying, I buried Paul. Yeah, I had also heard that the reference in... Um, what song is it? Is it A Day in the Life where it says he blew his mind out in yeah, a car? Yeah, Is a reference to him dying in a car accident. There's so much. There's like... Uh, uh, I heard the news today. Oh, boy. Uh, it's supposed to be about Paul being dead. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like even in Revolution Number 9, people think if you reverse it, it says like something dead man. Uh, I didn't put that in here, but I, I just knew about that one. Um, there's so much. Uh, there's like... And the, uh, uh, you know... That one song where he says the walrus is Paul, and and uh, you know on the cover of Magical Mystery Tour, there's a, a walrus on the cover. Well, and some people think the walrus is a sign of death. The walrus is a sign of death. I've never heard the walrus being a sign of death. This is the thing. And doing research, I found like a lot of people were like bringing it up, and they're like, a lot of people claim the walrus is like a Scandinavian sign of death, which uh, there's no info on. <laughs> like they were like, all these rumors fall flat. Also, like, would the Beatles be aware of Scandinavian folklore yeah. in the 60s? I'm <laughs> Possibly. When John Lennon said, here's another clue for you all. Yeah. The walrus was Paul. Yeah. Um, that is in the song Glass Onion. And yeah. that whole song is just... John Lennon famously said, I put a lot of nonsense in that song to fuck with Beatles fans because they would nitpick our lyrics so much. This exactly. may have been a backlash to the Paul is dead. Uh, controversy and conspiracy theory. Yeah, and the funny thing is on the cover of Magical Mystery Tour, uh, it's all of them dressed as stuff. The walrus is John. John was the walrus in yeah. doing the research. John like, Lennon sang I Am the Walrus. Yeah. And performed it. <laughs> he did. I don't... Um, uh, uh, I've also heard that on the cover of Abbey Road, yes, I have you that. see Paul McCartney is barefoot and yes. walking out of step with the other members. And then here's the kicker that I think is so hilarious. People say he's holding a cigarette in his right hand, but Paul, but the real Paul McCartney is famously left-handed. Which, of course, if you smoke a cigarette, it has to be in your dominant hand. It would be impossible to put it in the other hand, even if it was for a photo shoot. I mean, that just makes no sense. Uh, I did most of my research on the Abbey Road cover because it was just cracking me up. Okay. The stretches that people go. So a lot of people believe that this is like a funeral procession. I'll put the album cover up right now. And like... In case you haven't seen it. Yeah. And so like Paul is the corpse and like one of them is a... Pre like there's a whole... So John Lennon would be the priest yeah. dressed in white and then uh, would George and Ringo be the pallbearers? Yes. The Paul. Bearers. It was. It would be a grave digger, a grave digger, a corpse, undertaker, priest. That is so stupid. And also, why is George Harrison relegated to the role of grave digger? <laughs> the, the, what? It's because there's four of them. They had to come up with fucking something. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, continue. I just grave digger. 
George, what did George Harrison do? That's basically like trash man. Do you know what a grave digger is? Yeah. That's like a that's like a poor man, like blue collar laborer, like ah, go dig a ditch so we can throw a dead body into it. Uh, doinky. Whoosh, get to work. What are you waiting for? George Harrison deserves more than being a grave digger. And then uh, Ring, Ringo's an undertaker. Yeah. Like he's gonna do the, the tombstone. Yeah, he's he's gonna like build the coffin for Paul. Is this the old West? They don't have undertakers. I I I mean they do have undertakers yeah. obviously, but uh, when I think of Undertaker, I think of like you know Clint Eastwood movie like uh, I'm gonna need four coffins. <laughs> so <laughs> Paul is also barefoot, so a lot of people think that's like a symbolism for uh, being a corpse from some uh, place uh, like similar to the Scandinavian thing for uh, the walrus being death. Like people, some people think that the the him not wearing shoes is a sign of being a corpse, which is also a stretch because you can't find any info on that as well. Well, to that, I can speak just in doing like, um, I don't know. I feel like I came across something once in film studies yeah. where bare feet is kind of synonymous with being dead. It And think about it in the term of like toe tags yeah. on a corpse. When you think of corpses in the mortuary, it's always bare feet sticking out with a toe tag on. And then I think there was another thing I saw once. I don't remember where it was, but it was this idea of like, it was something that had to do with dead soldiers in a field after battle. Okay. And their shoes would be taken by the living soldiers because shoes were uh, in short supply and were a hot commodity. And so you couldn't use your shoes if you were dead and therefore you didn't need them. Okay. So I do think that there is something about bare feet and the symbolism the of being, yeah, of being dead. Yeah. Okay. So there is I'll give that. that. There yeah. is that. We'll draw that connection. Uh, there's a Volkswagen in uh, the album cover as well. I'm sorry. Hold on. I want to look sorry. at this. Does this say? It says. Uh, 28 F? 28 IF. Okay. 28 And IF. people try to interpretate it as a. Uh, oh, I know this one. Oh, yeah. Go for it. If Paul McCartney were still alive, yep. he would be 28. Yep. At the time of this album's release, which I which I went on to read was not true. He would have been like 27. Yeah. Also crazy to think that they're that age when they made this album. Were, uh, they, were they older? No, they broke up after this album too. Yeah. So they were definitely like in their 20s when they split up. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So what have you done with your life? Yeah, I'm older than they are here. Um. So. Yeah, all that. I, I looked into it because it was just making me laugh, like the concept. Uh, I wanted to know if the Beatles had ever talked about any of the symbolism in Abbey Road, okay. uh, the cover. And it's it it was killing me. They all just said, this street corner is right near their studio. Yeah. They walked out, took this photo, and that was it. Paul wasn't wearing shoes because he claimed it was a hot day out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like, I just thought it was funny to hear like them be like, no, it's nothing. Well, that's bullshit because if it's a hot day, then the street's going to be extra hot. Exactly. So you're going to want to wear shoes. Yeah. So clearly you're trying to tell the world that you are a body double and you want to let you want to let the world know because you want it to blow your cover. I don't know. You know, there's a whole documentary on this. Yeah, that's I, I want to say that real quick is like I want to just take a little snippet. There's so much of this that it would have been hours of talking about it. We could have done a whole podcast episode just on Paula's death. But frankly, I don't think either of us cares enough yeah. to, to, <laughs> to draw all the I threads so. together uh, of this. 
wild. It made me feel theory. a little insane. Like I was like, uh, you know, those photos of the people who have like the boards with like the red uh, string attached. And they're like, Paul's dead. Like, yeah, I like exactly. That doing the research. Like for this. Charlie from yeah. It's Always Sunny in yeah. Philadelphia. And you're smoking a cigarette. And you're like shaking while you point to everything Paul's going on. Paul's fucking dead, dude. <laughs> well, Paul fucking died in 1966. And the, the license plate says 28 if because that's how old he was alive if he was still alive. I think this rumor is re- was like my dad when I was a kid played me the White Album and started telling me about this stuff about Paul's dead. And I thought that was so cool. I think that's where why these rumors stay alive. It's like, I feel like it's a fun thing to tell people. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why we do this podcast. Yeah. To me, whether it's true or not, people believe it and they actually exist. Yeah. (laughs) That's the same way I feel about Bigfoot. I don't know if Bigfoot's real, Yeah. but there are people that think Bigfoot is real and they are real. And that's interesting enough for me just to get into the topic. Exactly. Uh, uh, that's all I have on Paul being dead. Avril is dead. Avril is dead. Paul is dead. Paul is dead. Gucci Mane has been cloned. We don't know mm. what happened to the original Gucci Mane. <laughs> the tu- I- Tupac <laughs> is not dead. Tupac is alive. Sorry, the idea of like I just imagine like two scientists like we have to we have to bring back Gucci Mane. I don't put, put I don't care how much money it takes. <laughs> they open up the fucking glass refrigerator door. <laughs> we have a sample of his skin. It's just a and, little ice and cream. This super buff naked Gucci man comes stepping out like the Terminator. <laughs> hey, what's happening, man? I'm in the American dream. <laughs> Wake up in the sky. <laughs> you know I'm super fly. I think you just wrote a movie. <laughs> I, would, I would watch that Damn, movie. We got Gucci man. He's an actor too. I saw him in Spring Breakers. He oh, can yeah. act in it. Well, Yes. Um, what else do you got for us? Um, I also wanted to go into the, the realm of like the really famous ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have stuff on Elvis being alive. Yeah. So let's talk about yeah. Elvis. This whole Elvis being alive thing is yeah. something that I kind of grew up with. Okay. In the 80s and 90s. This was like a running gag in cartoons. Oh, everything. To the point where before I even knew who Elvis was, I knew like, yo, Elvis Elvis isn't dead. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, Elvis isn't dead, but who's Elvis? You know, and you hear the voice like, hubba hubba love. Thank you, honey. We're going to see you later. And in every cartoon, you just see like a a sleeve or, you know, rhinestone encrusted pant leg and... Yeah. Yeah, it was just like a big folklore thing. Elvis is still alive. Yeah, it's crazy how like... I think every, I don't think there's a child who doesn't know who Elvis is. Like, he just stayed relevant for forever. Like, that's crazy. That's like timelessness. Sorry, you got me thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, so well, th- let's talk about how Elvis, sure. do you know how Elvis died? Uh, I think famously on the toilet. If yeah, I, I think he had a heart attack while he was taking a <laughs> shot. Yeah. I believe. Now, I didn't look that up. That's just me recalling from yeah. my own <laughs> mind. That might be completely wrong. Same. I, every, okay, TMI. Every time I like, take a, a really massive shit. What? Uh, I, I think about Elvis dying and I'm like, this might be the one. If they're, uh, if they're <laughs> never mind. Well, you haven't seen Sopranos, We're gonna cut that out. but there's yeah. a character in Sopranos who dies Fuck. taking a shit on the toilet. He oh, goes out man. Elvis style. So that's the way to go. You know, this wig is really itchy. Can it, I? Yeah, we we'll take it. <sighs> Dude, fake Derek. The Derek clone. Look at that thing. I think somebody like sprayed that with hairspray or something. Oh, yeah. It's like, like it has a life of its own. I think that's from 
the Ava video. Ugh. Oh, shit. Anyways, um, I'm enough of a rock star with my black hair. Yeah. Oh, I can breathe better. <laughs> Dang, that's, that was really constricting me. Okay, so Elvis uh, supposedly died while taking a duke yeah. um, in the late 70s. Or was it the early 70s? Do you know? No. Well, Sorry. It was sometime in the 70s. I want to say it was either 72 or 77. Those are the two dates in my mind. Yeah. Uh, Regardless. Yeah, because for, for me, like... I tried to do a lot of research on like, is he still alive? And that stuff was so not interesting. But there were certain elements about other things that I thought was way more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in, in doing research, there was a lot of like, uh, he changed his name to Jesse. And there, there's like some photos of a guy that kind of looks like him. And I was like, okay, like he's just off. Like if he is alive, he's off somewhere. Now, why thing. would Elvis fake his death? Do you know? This is where... I grabbed information because I thought this was hilarious. By the way, hold on. Yes. Before we get into that, before we get into Elvis, the conspiracy theory and urban legend. Yeah. Let's talk about confirmed real life Elvis. Okay. You ever listen to any Elvis albums? Uh, Yes. My dad occasionally would pop some Elvis on. And then I remember they put out like that Elvis compilation in the early 2000s, like of his greatest hits. Okay, so you've never like explored just his album discography. No, I've heard like the hits. Okay, yeah, that's where most people are. Yeah. So Elvis had one like really groundbreaking album mm-hmm. that uh, the Clash parodied the cover of yeah. it. So it looks For like London that Calling. Clash, yeah. yeah, London Calling looks like I think it's introducing Elvis Presley. Yeah. Or it might just be Elvis Presley. And in the 50s, yeah, it's all those smash hits. Everything you kind of associate Elvis with. Yeah. But he went on to release like 25 albums. Yeah. Like not, you know, not studio best of hits. This motherfucker was like writing albums for the next 20 years. Yeah. Including all of these shitty albums in the 60s, like Elvis Beach Party. Elvis joins the army. Um, Elvis marries his cousin or some shit. And there's one in particular that always makes me laugh so hard because he released an album called Clam Bake. (laughs) Elvis Presley's Clam Bake. Oh, man. And I I haven't listened to Clam Bake. I'm pretty sure it's regarded as like his worst album of all time. Uh, But needless to say, Elvis was the king of rock and roll. He was also the garbage man of rock and roll. We don't ever talk about how far the king fell. Yeah, he he was like doing Vegas shows, right? Uh, towards the end? Yeah, and that was actually a revival yeah. of his career because after, like towards the late 60s, he went so down in popularity that it's almost like he invented what went on to be a pretty popular thing for musicians to do. My fan base is not mainstream, but mm. I have older fans that are nostalgic for the good old days and they want to spend money to come see my show. So I'll do a permanent residency in the capital of entertainment, Las Vegas. He was the first guy to do that, really. And that's why yeah. Las Vegas is so closely associated with Elvis Presley. He he kind of like set the standard. I for think so. Yeah. What you're really supposed to do that. there. Yeah. Now Britney Spears is doing this. Um, oh. I think Mariah Carey had a residency there for a long time and uh, a bunch of like EDM artists from 10 years ago are doing the same thing. I can never tell if that's like the final nail in the coffin for a career or if that's just like 
like turn your act into a like you don't have to tour you just go one place and do my fucking show like i i can't tell if that's like a cool thing to do or, or a lame thing to do uh being like a elvis or elvis jesus uh a, a las vegas kind of staple i think it's i think getting old is lame yeah and it's a cool thing for old musicians yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. 100%. obviously you're not young and hip and hot you're not touring and taking over the world this is a different phase in your life. This is the autumn of your life where things are slowing down. I ain't going to tour. People are going to come to me. Yep. I'm not coming to your town. You're coming to my town. Uh, yeah. I'm not sleeping in a bus. I'm sleeping in a presidential suite. You're sleeping in a bus. I've, I've heard those hotels pay an unbelievable amount of money for to do the, those types of shows. I think Patton Oswalt talked about it, and he said, like, he went, they said... <laughs> Well, that's their whole business. Yeah, he said they said you're going to do two hours. And he was like, what? And then they blew him out on the stage. And he said it was just uh, a comedian was on before him. The show ended and they're like, all right, one dollar shots. And then uh, fucking everyone got hammered. And he said he just stayed on stage and everyone just went like Ratatouille for like an hour. Uh, and he okay. got paid like a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess at that point, you're just entertaining drunk older folks. Yeah. And you're getting paid a lot. Is it cool? No. Is it fun? Probably. Probably making a lot of money. Well, so Elvis started that. If you want to take this show to Vegas, I'm down. Someday when we're old <laughs> and gray and nobody watches our podcast anymore. Yeah. We'll do a live show in Vegas. By the way, I would love to do a live uh, episode of Mega Strange someday. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm down. In a theater, get some people to uh, talk about their strange experiences. This would yeah. be a good time to pause on this episode and rewind back two episodes when we were hunting ufos yes in seattle a lot of people commented on that episode with their own stories of ufos yeah. and uaps i was surprised by how many fans and listeners we have out there who have had their own personal experiences with unexplained phenomenon in the sky uh next time we do an episode on ufos which i'm sure we will because mm -hmm. Actually, some people left some comments about really interesting events that I'd never heard of. There's so much. There's so much out there to talk about. Next time, I think we might have to share some of our fan base's stories. Sure. Some of the lesser reported instances from the people on the streets. Oh, shit. The uh, mega strangers out there. Anyways, now back to our regularly scheduled program. Yes, Elvis. So, yeah. So Elvis died. Isn't that a movie he did? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so he died. People think that he uh, faked his own death. And the most interesting thing for me was the reasons why he faked his own death. Uh, some people think he was connected to the mafia. Have you heard about this? Um, I haven't heard about it, but I wouldn't be surprised. So there was a book written. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this person's name. It's like Gail Brewer Giorgio. Yeah, uh, they nailed wrote, it. Oh, I, I think I did. And in 1988, they wrote a book called... Uh, is Elvis alive? And uh, in their research, they had found FBI records of Elvis being associated with them. And they were kind of like, I got to dig into this. So what did they find out? So the big thing that they think is, uh, hold on, give me a second here. Uh, he had to go into witness protection program because the FBI had enlisted Presley as an undercover agent in 1976 to help uh, the, the agency infiltrate a criminal organization called the Fraternity. The Fraternity? Yeah. 
weren't we watching Wanted yeah. earlier? <laughs> yeah, and the group in that yeah. movie is called the Fraternity. Yeah, so I, that might be like a thing that comes up in urban legends a lot. But yeah, that's what uh, they they stated that it was like Elvis was helping with the FBI to infiltrate this crime organization called the Fraternity. Okay. Um, and there was a whole thing where like Elvis did this. There's not really a lot of info on it, but yeah, because uh, it's top secret. Yeah, later in life. Elvis bought a, a private jet from someone who was associated with the fraternity and it was going to blow his cover. So he had to fake his own death so that they wouldn't kill him. When he was already in witness protection? No, after when, when he faked his death, they put him into witness protection. I see. Yeah. Well, so that story might hold a little bit of water. Uh, I did some more research and the reason that the FBI has... Uh, records on Elvis is because they're trying to extort him at one point. The FBI yeah. was <laughs> apparently good old uncle Sam, you know, they're like, uh, this Elvis guy is getting too popular. He might influence the youth <laughs> to become anti-American. Maybe they won't join our army and go fight in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah we got to put an end to this guy. Let's dig up some shit. See, we, uh, maybe the government took out Elvis at that point. Maybe, uh, there was also some stuff where, like, apparently on tour, he, like, stopped by the White House and uh, went to the the FBI headquarters. And he said, like, stuff like, I would help these these boys out if I could and a, a bunch of stuff like that where people think that that feeds into this uh, rumor even more. Well, I did hear that the Beatles worshipped Elvis mm. uh, and they went to meet him once and he, like, hated them. And he thought that they were, like, long-haired hippie scum. I can and, see that. And apparently he was very, like gung-ho for the nation of America yeah. and did not like these hippies, these dang hippies. And they smoked pot with Bob Dylan or whatever the fuck they did. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that, you know, I have heard that in the fifties and sixties and maybe even like seventies and eighties and eight, maybe even up till today, the mafia had a heavy influence and involvement in the music industry. Uh, as far as getting music played on radio stations, they kind of had a, a control over that. Uh -huh. They, you know, if you watch the movie, The Godfather, there's that whole subplot about the musician who wants to get out of his contract. Okay. And they have, have you seen The Godfather? No. Okay. Well, there's a very famous sequence in the first movie. And is they it the horse scene? Yeah, it is. Okay. They think that this is actually um, based off of Frank Sinatra's yes. real life career. I've heard, I've heard that. Where essentially when he was a young singer, he he signed a really shitty contract that was exploitive and... Possibly even the mafia wanted Frank Sinatra to perform at their casinos that they owned in Las Vegas, but because of his contract, he was not allowed to do it. He needed to get out of his contract, and so these like mafia hitmen basically went to the guy who okay. owned the contract and said, "Release him from the contract, or we're going to blow your brains out." Or basically like sign this paper with this pen, or sign it with your brains. It's up to you. And oh, the guy's shit. like, "Okay, I'll sign it." Uh, I always thought that the story was like he was like, because wasn't he in the Manchurian Candidate, like that movie, the original version? It may have been a movie deal. I thought it was like, like they that. like they wouldn't cast him and then they did that horse thing. Something like that. But basically, yeah, it's a kind of a story, an, yeah. urban, an urban legend that is well known in the music oh, yeah. industry. So, you know, there's that. We never hear about Elvis being connected, you know, to the families when we're talking about his career in the music industry, but I wouldn't be surprised if it came out that that connection was there. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see him, you know, I guess helping out the FBI. I don't know. It just seemed like I, I'm imagining old Elvis trying to help the FBI, and it just seems like 
pretty silly to me. I imagine old Elvis is kind of like a fat Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, you know, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. I'm going to take We're out for turn. I'm, I'm, I hate these uh, hippies <laughs> and uh, lubba lubba communists. <laughs> Whatever. That was a good uh, impression. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> ha! What else you got? Um, so the final thing I grabbed here, I always thought this was a little fun story. When I was a kid, uh, I remember going on like, I think Evom's World, and I saw a video about this rumor, and I remember being horrified by it. And it, it's so funny going back to it now how nonsensical and silly it is. But do you know the song Roller Coaster, uh, Love Roller Coaster by the Ohio Players? Yes, and I also was obsessed with this story when yeah. I was in high school, yeah. and I would play this song for people and tell them, you can hear a ghost on yeah. this song. You can hear a woman screaming in the opening of this song, and you can hear it. Yeah. It's very distinct. Uh, Yeah, so at like a minute 24 to like a minute 28. We can't play this song no, on this no, show, no, no, no. but I've listened to this so much. I will perfectly recreate it for people yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Roller Coaster of Love. You've probably heard this song. Yeah. 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 In that opening, like, riff while they're just warming up, you listen closely about a minute, and in the background, you hear this. <laughs> kind of wailing it's sound. scary yeah. high-pitched wailing sound very faintly you would never notice it until you're listening yeah for it, and then you can never not hear it because it's so distinctly there uh yeah so the the thing i, I found said like it, the, the the scream kind of resembles a, a, a female screaming in panic uh but I, you're saying it's a ghost okay so i've heard it's a ghost I've also heard that it's a live recording of a woman being murdered. Yes. That's the rumor I have right here. So uh, the the big one is I'll, that it's the woman from the cover of the album. Yeah. So I'll put the album cover up right now. Uh, the, the, the main rumor is that this woman, what, uh, they were taking this photo. When you think about it in hindsight, it's pretty silly to think that they were taking this photo the same time they're recording the song. That's the, right. what the rumor states. Right. That's <laughs> and uh, the honey. Uh, I've I've got stuck to her or something. Let me tell you yeah. because I've like I said I was obsessed with this in high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. You researched this. I didn't. I'm gonna hijack this sure. story. No, go for it. The way I remember it from high school was in the liner. So on the cover of this album is a woman pouring honey into her mouth. Yes, it's very sexual. Ooh. If I remember correctly, though, in the liner notes of the album, there's photos of her like covered in honey. Yes. Like on her legs and, and stuff. And she's like on a, on a glass mirror. Yes. And what I read at the time was that for the purpose of the photo shoot, it wasn't real honey. Mm. It was, ooh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm getting agitated here. It was some sort of liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it was an adhesive. I'm not sure. But whatever it was, as the story goes, it stuck to her legs. Yeah. And when they and it solidified in some way. And when they tried to remove it, it like peeled the skin off of her yeah. legs. And it scarred her. Mm-hmm. And it ruined her modeling career. Yes. And so while they were recording Love Roller Coaster, she went and confronted their manager about the situation and he killed her. Yeah, while, while the tape was rolling. 
So that screams her getting murdered. And I could even go further and say I have heard the manner in which he killed her. Yeah. Was to throw her out of a window. And what you hear is her screaming as she falls past the Ohio player's window. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're recording it in the background. It's. That's so funny that you never hear her hit the bottom, dude. Uh, that is really comes from a, a place where a person doesn't know how recordings work. <laughs> like it just think they're, be. they're jamming. It must be, uh, like they, they, they don't realize it's all like multi-tracked and stuff, but yeah, continue. That's it. That's, that's, that the is, story that's that I've what heard. I have as well. Uh, that shit always like, like I said, I, I think I was on e-bombs where I was a kid and there was literally like a, a very early video that was like only text and spooky music. And it was like. It, like Windows Movie Maker, like would transition on the screen and say all this information. I remember sitting there like, oh. uh, if you're interested in this, you can pause this episode right now. Go on YouTube, look up "Love Roller Coaster" yeah. by the Ohio Players. You'll hear the scream uh, within the first minute or so of the song. Yeah, you can listen for yourself, and then come on back, continue this episode. Uh, thanks for looking all that up. Yeah, no problem. I have. A couple of things, but I wanted to wait because for me, it's all... I I went down a rabbit hole in my research. I was looking at the Paul is Dead stuff as well, um, but then I kind of got sidetracked by... Well, I'm just going to get into it. Yeah, please. The Devil and Rock and Roll. Okay. They go back a long way. The, The Devil went down to Georgia? The Devil went down to Georgia, and there is a long history of supposedly people selling their souls to the devil in exchange for incredible music ability. Okay. Now, not not only has this happened more than once, but this goes back hundreds of years, but possibly the most famous instance of this supposedly happening um, is with the blues singer Robert Johnson. Yeah, I've heard this story before. You've heard of Robert Johnson? <clears throat> well, I've heard the story. Okay. They made a movie did. about this called Crossroads yes. in the 80s. Now, supposedly, Robert Johnson was um, a blues singer from Mississippi who was born in 1911. Not a lot is known about Robert Johnson. No. Um, he only had two recording sessions in his entire life. Okay. Two recording sessions ever. And from those two recording sessions, only 29 songs were recorded. And yet he has gone on to be one of the most influential musicians of, uh, in American history because his music was rediscovered later in the fifties and sixties by all of these great rock and roll icons like Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, um, and so on and so forth. Mm. Well, supposedly when Robert Johnson first started making music, he was a fucking shitty guitar player. That It's like, uh, have you ever heard of the blues musician Son House? No. Let me tell you something. I saw an interview with Jack White once. Okay. And he said that his favorite song was by a musician named Son House. That's all I, that's how I know Son House. Well, apparently Son House knew Robert Johnson when he was a little boy, and he said that he remembered Johnson being a competent harmonica player, but an embarrassingly bad guitarist. 
Holy shit. That's how Son House described him. Okay. Now listen to this. When Johnson was 18 years old, now I, I want to reiterate, n- nothing was known about this guy when he was alive. So this whole story of his life has been recreated through historians who have tracked down people who supposedly knew him, and they have taken interviews and contrasted the stories to recreate his life story and what happened. Okay, so, you know, some can be hearsay and some can be, you know. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you the legend as it is interpreted, but nobody even knew this guy existed until 30 years after he had already died. But apparently when he was 18, Mm -hmm. he um, got his girlfriend pregnant and she died while giving childbirth. So 18 years old, his baby and his would-be wife passed away. Some Jersey Devil stuff. And the family of the girl blamed him because they said he had sold his soul to the devil by trying to play this devil's music. Okay. Blues, non-secular music. That's what they said. Well, being 18 years old and having that happen, that's got to be heavy stuff. I mean, you got to be depressed, probably going crazy, probably in a really dark place. Mm. And I point that out because this would be the time where he supposedly made his deal with the devil. Oh, shit. And as the story goes, Johnson, who had never known who his father was, heard a rumor that this guy's your father and he's in this other part of town. And so he left the area where he was living, a town called Robinsonville, and he head, headed off to Martinsville. Um, and I'm going to say he was probably depressed about his wife and child dying. They say that he um, met up with a guy named Ike Zimmerman. And, a Jew. And Ike, no, he was he was, oh. uh, he was a black guy. Oh. Maybe Jewish, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I doubt it. Probably <laughs> Southern gospel Christian. Ike Zimmerman was rumored to have learned to play the guitar in a supernatural way himself. Okay. Supposedly, Ike Zimmerman would go to graveyards in the middle of the night to learn the guitar. And people say, I like that. It's a super, they're not saying he made a deal with the devil, but they're saying he acquired his knowledge of the guitar in supernatural ways by playing in graveyards. Now, it, according to Ike Zimmerman and Ike Zimmerman's son, who knew Robert Johnson at this time, it is confirmed that they both would play in graveyards in the middle of the night. And that is where they would practice guitar, sitting on top of tombstones, okay, uh, practicing their guitar work. Because they said, they said it was a quiet place where they could practice and not disturb anybody. I can see that. That being said. But aren't there like, uh, not uh like uh, you know there's people that like live near graveyards that like keep up the land right yeah but i want to point out that i'm going to jump ahead here and say what people think robert um johnson and ike zimmerman were practicing was a form of voodoo or hoodoo Voodoo. as it might be known here in america okay um basically like an americanized version of these ancient african traditions of spirituality african gods and what people in America would refer to as black magic. Okay. Possibly. So, as the story goes, outside of these graveyard practice sessions, which did happen, 
supposedly one night, Robert Johnson went to a crossroads uh, to strike a deal with the devil. This is known as a Faustian deal because okay. uh, you have heard of the story of Faust. There is like a there's a play that's very famous that's supposedly based off an ancient, not ancient, but a med- medieval German alchemist. Uh, I think his name was like Johannes Faust. Okay. Who apparently went to a crossroads to make a deal with the demon Mephistopheles. I think I'm saying that right. Mephistopheles? Mephistopheles. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going off book because yeah. I didn't include the Faust legend <laughs> in my notes. But what he asked for was all of the world's knowledge uh, to acquire it instantly. Okay. And in exchange for it, he had to promise the devil his soul. He had to sign a piece of paper with his blood and say, like, my soul belongs to you. And the deal was completed. Supposedly, crossroads are in many, like, folklores and legends, a place where you can contact spirits, among other things. You know, people people will take it so far as to say, you can conjure up demons, you can do spells there, this, that, the other thing. But what is generally agreed is that it's a place where there's a lot of spirit activity, these crossroads. Now, if you live in a big city, we're not talking like, oh, First Street crosses with Main Street and that crosses with Broadway. We're not talking about being on a city grid. This is more of like in an ancient civilization where one city would be miles and miles and miles away from another city and you would be on one road for hours, if not days. Okay. And then after traveling all of that distance, you would come to a crossroad and this road would be connecting two totally different distant cities and it would be at these crossroads where strange and supernatural things would happen. So supposedly Robert Johnson goes to a crossroad at midnight, one night, okay. and there he is met by what is described as a tall black man. Okay, who is? Sorry, I was going to say I've, supposedly I've, the devil. I've seen heard some things where it's like a man in black, but I've never heard like a tall black man. It's in this legend. Yeah. It's a tall man, and he is of the black persuasion. Okay, uh, but supposedly he is the well, devil racialist. himself. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just I'm saying the story I'm how joking. how I heard it. Uh, and he says to him, like, I want to have knowledge of the guitar, okay. of the music. I want to master this. And supposedly he handed his guitar over to the devil. The devil tuned the guitar mm-hmm. and gave it back to him. And from that point on, Robert Johnson was a master of the guitar. Um, now, I will say that Robert Johnson has a reputation in his legend and autobiography of being an incredible ladies man. Oh. And in fact, later on in the story, when the devil comes to collect his payment, it will be because of this ladies man persona that leads into Robert's demise. Okay. Supposedly he died at the age of 27. But we're going to get to that. Is that something with like isn't there like a bunch of people who died at 27? He's in the 27 club okay. along with Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Amy Winehouse. Yeah. And a couple others as well. But he may have been the earliest American member of the 27 oh, Club. Shit. Um, now, I don't know if you know this, but I looked this up just in looking up this story. Supposedly in the Bible, Lucifer 
is uh, he's like a fallen angel. Maybe you've heard the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, you know, God's favorite angel, and then he betrayed God, and he was cast out of heaven, and then he was known as the fallen angel. Yeah. But supposedly, before all the bad stuff happened, he was, um, well, let me read this. Lucifer is a fallen angel who was the head of the ministry of music in heaven when he oh. was in heaven. It is said of him that he was the most beautiful of all angels and was director of the flow of music up there. Uh, in Job 38.7 in the Bible, it says, When the morning star sang, that's a reference to Satan, all the uh, sons of God shouted for joy. And there's a bunch of other references in the Bible that basically says Lucifer was a badass musician. Okay. So, in these stories, you are constantly hearing about musicians selling their soul to the devil to get musical powers because the devil apparently has these badass musician and he could teach you the ways. Um, but other people say that in addition to getting the ability to master the guitar, and really, it can't be said, people consider Robert Johnson to be a guitar master. They said that he could like Joe Satriani shit. They said that he could pick up any tune by ear after one oh, listening shit. and like shred on it. Um, in addition to getting that musical power, he also got a commanding control over women and love. And he could like allure women to him. They said that he was a wandering, traveling musician. And everywhere he would go, he would play music and then just ask the women, like, can I stay with you? And oh, they would shit. take him home until he was kicked out of the house. Or their boyfriend showed up. Oh, no. Um, so after uh, after those two years okay. of, of going away, he comes back. He's a guitar master. And then he basically does what we just said. He travels around. He plays music. Mm -hmm. In 1938, well, well, before I get to his death, there are two songs that he wrote where supposedly he confesses this and tells the story okay. of what happened. He has one song called Crossroad Blues, where in the song he has lyrics that sing, I went to the crossroad, fell down on my knees, asked the Lord above, have mercy now, save poor Bob if you please. Yes, standing at the cr crossroad, tried to flag a ride, didn't nobody seem to know me, babe, everybody passed me by. Standing at the crossroad, baby, rising sun going down. So it's turning into nighttime. Uh, I believe my soul now, poor Bob, is sinking down. You can run, tell a friend, tell Willie Brown. Um, I went to the crossroad, baby. I looked east and west. Lord, I didn't have no sweet woman. Oh, well, babe, in my distress. That last line, no sweet woman, no babe in my distress. I think that's a reference to his 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 wife oh, and his yeah. son dying. Is there any recordings of these? Or yeah, is yeah, it, yeah. Okay, that's cool. You can listen to this on YouTube. Oh. Now, just interpreting that, he's going to that crossroad. The sun's going down. Yeah. He's making prayers. And maybe he's asking, bring my wife back. Bring my child back. Yeah. Or maybe he's saying... Maybe when he's at the crossroads, if he did make a deal, maybe he's saying, give me what I want. Give me, give me love, give me women, give me music, because those are the apparent abilities that he got after the crossroads. Now listen to this. Yeah. He wrote another song, this one called Hellhound on my tail, on my trail. This song has the lyrics, I gotta keep, oh, and by the way, Hellhound on my trail, 
Look this song up. It will give okay. you chills. Oh, shit. This song is fucking spooky. Just the sound of it, the guitar. This is a spooky song. The lyrics say, I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. Blues falling down like hail. Blues falling down like hail. Uh, he goes on to say, the days keeps on worrying me. There's a hellhound on my trail. Hellhound on my trail. Um, he sings, he sings. Later on in the song, he says, you sprinkled hot foot powder all around your daddy's door. Mm-hmm-hmm. It keeps me rambling, mine rider, every old place I go. What? Hot foot powder. I looked up what hot foot powder was. Salt? It's, oh. it's, uh, here's the definition I pulled off Wikipedia. Okay. Hot foot powder is used in African-American hoodoo folk magic to drive unwanted people away. It is a mixture of herbs, minerals, and virtually always includes chili powder, salt, pepper, and chili flakes. Other ingredients could include wasps, nests, sulfur, and graveyard dirt. So hot foot powder is something you sprinkle around to ward off bad okay. spirits. I have a theory about this, man, but I could go into it later when, once you're done. That's uh, Hellhound Blues. So some people think uh, the Hellhound on my trail is talking about how he made that deal with the devil and sure. he's being hunted down uh, by it. What do you? What's your theory? I think that this guy got depressed and then learned guitar from that other guy in the graveyard. Yeah. And I think he started going around town and like started hearing rumors that people thought he summoned Satan to learn guitar. And he wrote that song about it. And then everyone really thought he summoned Satan. And then now he had to write a song about how sad he is because everyone thinks he's the devil. Possibly. That's my theory. Um, you know, Son House, who who said he was an embarrassing bad guitarist, later on in his life was interviewed and did basically imply, like, I believe that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the oh, devil. Oh, shit. Okay. He basically says, I believe that legend to be true. Um. What some people think, so because of the hot foot powder reference yeah. in this song, it's funny because I was doing research and there's this one critic who's like, um, Robert Johnson didn't practice hoodoo that nobody would have practiced hoodoo back then. They were all Christians yeah. uh, in that area. But then he makes this hoodoo reference in this song. That is true. So some people think that there is this, um, mythological God named Papa Legba who they say maybe instead of the devil, yeah. Robert Johnson contacted Papa Legba. Okay. Like a trickster spirit. Exactly. Or, a or, Haitian voodoo trickster spirit yeah. who is, uh, he stands at a spiritual crossroads. He is basically the god of crossroads. Okay. And he gives or denies permission to speak with the spirits of the other realm. He's believed to speak all human languages and can teach people, uh, he can basically uh, bestow upon people understanding. Okay. Quote, unquote, understanding. What I find interesting is he is commonly associated with dogs. Um, like Anubis? Yeah. Uh, which will come into some things I bring up later. Sure. Just weirdness with dogs and hellhounds and things like that. You just made me realize the, I'm sure it comes up later, but there's a Led Zeppelin song. Isn't there one called like Black Dog or something? Yes, and I have something about Led okay. Zeppelin. Uh, this might be a long episode okay. because I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not down. even halfway done. Um, so what happens with Robert Johnson? Yeah. Remember I told you nobody knew about him until 30 years after he died? Okay. Nobody knew when he died. He basically disappears from the historical record. That's what happens. There's just stories about him and records of him and then boop, nothing. 
When was this? Was this the 1900s or? 1938. Okay. Oh, and I should mention, he had another wife pass away. Uh, after he learned Shit. guitar, before he went on the road, it happened again. So he was cursed. Everyone he loved, Dude. all the women he truly loved, died on him. So, as the story goes, researchers and historians were able to contact people who supposedly knew Robert Johnson. This is the story of his death that has been recreated from these interviews. Okay. Supposedly he died by drinking poisoned whiskey. Uh, like cyanide or? Well, I say supposedly because nobody can quite figure out if he was poisoned, okay. what the poison was. Yeah. Because all of the poisons available at the time don't quite match up with his symptoms. But apparently he was out drinking one night, was drinking some whiskey, and then died slowly over the course of the next two days. Uh, like vomiting oh, up blood shit. and just having a horrible death. Some people say that it was uh, the love, jealous lover of one of his girlfriends. Okay. Supposedly he was in a bar one night and somebody handed him a bottle of whiskey that person claims was poisoned and his friend slapped it out of his hand and said, don't you ever drink a bottle that you never saw open? Yeah. And he's like, don't you ever slap whiskey out of my hand? <laughs> and later that night, that same person handed him another poisoned glass oh, of whiskey and he drank it and died mysteriously at the age of 27. Or maybe it was just his time to go because he had to pay the piper. Dude. Either way, uh, he disappears from the historic records and goes on to live in infamy as uh, America's most famous I musician who these songs. supposedly sold his soul to the devil. Now, I have a story here. Let's move away from Robert Johnson because he's sure. not the only person who's made this deal with the devil. I have a song here that I want to play for everybody. Sure. A song that is has supposedly been written by the devil. Oh, shit. Can I tell you this story real quick? Yeah, yeah. This is from a composer who was alive in the 18th century named Giuseppe Tartini. This song is called The Devil's Trill Sonata. That's right. True and real. The Trill Sonata. Oh, Trill Sonata. I'm going to play it in a second. His name sounds like a really good like Italian dish. Giuseppe Tartini. Yeah, like I'll, I'll have the Giuseppe Tartini. <laughs> he, uh, well, he tells the story of this creation himself. I found an interview uh -huh. quote from him. This is what Giuseppe says. One night in the year 1713, I dreamed I had made a pact with the devil for my soul. Okay. He dreamed this. The devil appeared to him in a dream. Everything went as I wished. My new servant anticipated my every desire. Among other things, I gave him my violin to see if he could play. How great was my astonishment on hearing a sonata so wonderful and so beautiful, played with such great art and intelligence as I have never even conceived in my boldest flights of fantasy. I felt enraptured, transported, enchanted. My breath failed me and I awoke, and I immediately grasped my violin in order to retain, in part at least, the impression of my dream. In vain, the music which I at the time composed is indeed the best I ever wrote, and still I call it the devil's trill. But the difference between it and that which so moved me to so great uh, is so great that I would have destroyed my instrument and have said farewell to music forever if it had been possible for me to live without the enjoyment it affords me. He okay. basically goes, what he says there, I would have destroyed my instrument and said farewell to music forever because what he wrote 
couldn't quite capture what he heard in his dream. Okay. Let's play the song here. Sure. Should we just like... Go ahead, skip to like... Uh, yeah, right there. Just so you can get a feel for it. Now, Giuseppe Tartini apparently at the time was considered a mediocre violinist. Oh, shit. But this song is complex even by today's standards. Uh, because it is so... It has so much virtuosity. Yeah. What they call uh, trills, which I'm not even sure what a trill is. But Me either. Basically just complexity and layering in the rhythms. I'm going to let people get a taste of it here. You're watching a video on the man's hands that's playing the violin is like baffling. It's like some dragon fork shit. He says he heard this in a dream, but what he heard in his dream was essentially a thousand times better than this. Whoa. Also, he dreamed it was the devil playing a violin. <laughs> Dude, I love that. Should I keep playing it? Or? That's enough. Very cool. People can look up the Devil's Trill Sonata if they want. It's a 15-minute song. Dude, uh, it's better than tubular bells. Yeah, that's pretty wild to me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I think there's other... Didn't like the dude from Aerosmith say like a song came to him in a dream? As well, like didn't Dream On come up from a dream? Dream On! I heard that uh, Stairway to Heaven uh, came in a dream. It's funny, like Stairway to Heaven is a hilarious, like I think they ripped that song off 100%. Well, they ripped off a lot of songs. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. there's a lot of like blues songs that they just kind of wholesale stole. Anyway. So, speaking of Led Zeppelin, yes. supposedly Led Zeppelin sold their soul to the devil. Dude, John Bottom. Now, I'm not going to go into this one specifically, uh, but I did just come across a bunch of urban legends that said that, and this is confirmed, Jimmy Page is obsessed with the occult. Yes. And he's obsessed with Aleister Crowley. Mm -hmm. And he's obsessed with uh, just kind of new age magic and the new age magic movement. He even joined Aleister Crowley's secret society called OTO. Um, supposedly Jimmy Page made a deal with the devil and he sold his soul, Robert Plant's soul and John Bonham's soul. Oh shit. But not the fourth guy. No, no. <laughs> who's, uh, who's, uh, John Paul Jones. Yeah, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was John Paul Jones got in and John Bonham. Yeah, like, uh, Point is three out, of, three out of the four members, <laughs> uh, sold their soul to the devil and the fourth guy didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, it's weird. Led Zeppelin has like personal sigils. You ever know that? No. So those little symbols. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, with the, the fucking Grim Reaper dude or whatever. Yeah. The, the hermit. They have uh, individual symbols that represent them and they put them on all their album covers. And yeah. A sigil is like something used in magic, magic and okay. spells and stuff. So just to kind of illustrate how much Jimmy Page was into the occult. I'm I, I'm not even a Led Zeppelin fan, and I'm surprised how much I know about Led Zeppelin. It just clicked in. I was like, oh, I know all this information. Yeah, probably. <laughs> My dad is really into Led Zeppelin. Everybody's dad is really yeah. into Led Zeppelin. Okay, so I don't want to go too... I'm going to do a hard turn here, sure. everybody. My next story isn't so much about Led Zeppelin, but it's a little dark rabbit hole I went down okay. in, in researching this because I found out that... Since Jimmy Page was so obsessed with Aleister Crowley, mm -hmm. he actually bought a house that had belonged to Aleister Crowley. Okay. And since we're talking about crossroads, and since we're talking about portals, this house is supposedly the site of a ritual that Aleister Crowley performed 
uh, that was like a mega black magic ritual. Apparently, it took him six months Shit. of abstinence from sex and alcohol <laughs> to ramp up the magical energy and leading to this house. Apparently, he bought this house and like redid the architecture in a way to facilitate this black magic event. But as the story goes, supposedly he was interrupted in the middle of it. Okay. And after conjuring like all of these demons into the house and including Lucifer was unable to seal them back. And so the house has been infested with those spirits ever since. Okay. And I just want to talk about this house because this sure. house is fucking gnarly. You're making me realize how much Ghostbusters is based off of Aleister Crowley. Really? Because it's the same thing where like a scientist built that building to be the most paranormal place in the world and it like opens a portal to whatever to bring Gozer. Sorry, I want to... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably <laughs> went right on it. Okay, so the house is called Boleskin House. Okay. Guess where it's located? Boleskin? On the shores oh. of Loch Ness. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's one of the only houses there. And apparently... Does Jimmy Page still live there? I want to visit this house. He sold it in 1992, okay. and the house burned down no. in, in 2015. Dude. But we're going to get to that. Okay. We're going to get to Sorry. that. This, this site that the house is built on is the site of an ancient cemetery and, and Scottish church, also known as a Kirk, as they Kirk. would call it. Um, listen to this. Sure. The Kirk of Boleskin is what it's known as. It's an ancient Scottish church. And according to a historian, this is psycho. You're not going to believe this. I hope you're sitting down at home. I'm sitting down. In 16, uh, apparently there was, uh, I don't know what you would call this, a pastor. So the guy who ran the church parish named Thomas Houston. Sure. Who lived from 1648 to 1705. Apparently he was in charge of the Boleskin church and had to go... Uh, to battle with a local notorious wizard <laughs> named Onkrunier Freisal, which translates to the Fraser Crowner or Maker of Circles. Listen to this. I, I, you, you, you got me hooked with, he had to go to battle with a wizard. <laughs> he had to go to battle with a Scottish wizard <laughs> because the wizard had raised the bodies of corpses in the churchyard and Thomas had to, quote, make haste to lay them to rest again. Okay. This happened in sometime between 1648 and 1705. Sometime later, after the zombies were put back in their graves at this site where the house was built, mm -hmm. the church is said to have burned to the ground during a sermon killing everyone inside. Now, if that is not already the site of some fucked up haunted shit, we have wizards raising zombies, and then the parish who puts the zombies back in the grave all die in a fire inside the church. I can't not imagine a fucking like wizard, like a like a, a Merlin ass wizard. Yeah, in like the year 1670. Exactly. <laughs> with like Johnny. long fucking fingernails. Exactly. <laughs> they, this is mega strange yeah. at its finest. Check this out. Moving forward, a bishop in 1762 found the church in such disrepair that he reported that human bones had littered the grounds so much to the point that dogs 
would come and chew on the bones and carry them around. Okay. Dogs. Sounds like a Bloodborne level. Hellhounds. Again, oh. We're talking about these dogs. Okay. I just wanted the, I just want to tell this story to reinforce the point that this is some fucked up dark demonic grounds. Demonic crazy. This is the spot where dark shit happens <laughs> and we haven't even scratched the surface of it. So soon after the bishop found the church, um, Colonel Archibald Frazier bought the property okay. and started building what would become Boleskine House on the charred remains of the church. The house remained in the Frazier family until the year 1899 when it was sold to a 23-year-old named Alistair Crowley. Oh, shit. Uh, 23 years old. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about it. Uh, Alistair Crowley, is that the guy? There's like that fo famous photo of like that dude with a little triangle hat on. That's him. That's him? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. He was supposedly a Satanist. Yeah. He came up with that term, do what thou will. Okay. Um, but he was also a member of a new age secret society spiritual movement called the golden dawn uh which had uh arthur conan doyle the arth of the author oh. of uh sherlock holmes yeah. and some it was a lot of like famous poets and artists of the turn of the century era were members of the golden dawn but apparently the golden dawn broke up because alistair crowley would cause so much infighting and basically like made a movement to leave it dude alistair crowley's sick all right, you're a, on board. He has the Aussie song written about. <laughs> so by the time Alistair Crowley takes control of Boleskin House, yeah. this place is already haunted and evil as shit. Yeah. Which is exactly why he wants it to do his super black magic ritual. But before the ritual happens, apparently he becomes overjoyed because the evidence of the evil spirits that are already there reveal themselves by... Uh, afflicting the locals of the Boleskine house area. So there's a story oh. that an employee of the estate supposedly got drunk one night after 20 years of abstinence and tried to kill his wife and children. Okay. That's, that's one story after Alistair Crowley took possession of the house. The groundskeeper went crazy, shining style, tried to murder yeah. his wife and child. Apparently, Alistair Crowley's lodgekeeper, a man named Hugh Gillies, also suffered a series of tragedies. First, his 10-year-old daughter died suddenly at her school desk. And then one year later, his 15-month-old son died of convulsions on his mother's knee. I feel like every modern like horror franchise has like come from this Poss <laughs> like, possibly like, like The Shining, Ghostbusters, like all that stuff. Um, now, apparently there was a film crew from the BBC that oh. went to this house in 2002 to film a documentary about it called The Other Loch Ness Monster, referring to this house. That's cool. And they that. recorded so many freaky things happening to them, they had to document it. Dude. We'll get more to them later. But um, I want to talk about the ritual that he bought the house for. Sure. So apparently he needed a very specific architecture. Essentially, he needed a house in more or less a secluded area. Uh, there needed to be a door facing the north, okay. a room which you could make your oratory, as he called it. And outside this door, you construct a terrace covered in fine river sand. And this would this would constitute a lodge where the spirits could congregate. 
This is genuine. Like I have chills right now. I'm imagining this man just in this giant house, which is like a room that's empty called the oratory. Like I don't, that's freaking me out. Oh, he wasn't alone. He was like having orgies and sacrificing animals. That's what the ritual was. Now, apparently he wrote about his experiments in this house and said, the demons and evil forces had congregated around me so thickly that they were shutting off the lights. It was a comforting situation. There could be no more doubt of the efficiency of the operation. Holy shit. That was his reports on this. It is said that Crowley has had summoned 115 spirits into the house, including Lucifer, uh, as reported by the BBC when they were making their documentary. Dude, more than the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. No, the Haunted Mansion is 999. Oh, yeah. Never mind. So not quite as many as the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, he embarked on a six month power giving black magic ceremony, but it was interrupted in the middle of the ritual by his grandmaster, the head of the golden dawn who had called him back to Paris. It is claimed that Aleister Crowley did not have time to banish the spirits he had brought to Boleskin. Um, so that's when things got really fucked up. Okay. Eventually, he moved out of the house, um, and Aleister Crowley was around in like 1911 up to through the 20s and 30s, kind of the same time as uh, uh, Robert Johnson, who we we're just talking about. Okay. So another guy buys the house, and in nine in the mid 1960s, commits suicide in Aleister Crowley's room, shooting himself in the head with a shotgun. But what is strange about this is the suicide was. Um, predicted by his 78-year-old groundskeeper, a woman who said that one week earlier, okay. she had heard a gunshot coming from the, the bedroom and she thought that something had happened to the owner, but she went in there and found that nothing had been had gone on. Uh, but then one week later, she went in there at the same time and found that he had died of a gunshot and she said that when she went in she found a dog playing with the bone police later determined the bone was part of the man's skull shit so again we have dogs chewing on bones on the grounds of boleskin house you know it's funny what before we got into this episode i i was debating about talking about the band mayhem yeah and all the craziness that happened with them and i was like i don't want to get too dark and then this is <laughs> like I'm like, damn, I should have done it. Well, these are ghost stories and scary stories. It's definitely not as evil as the mayhem shit. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever heard of the... uh, So that happened in 1965. Yeah. You ever heard of the filmmaker Kenneth Anger? Yes. Yeah. I love Kenneth Anger. Well, apparently Kenneth Anger went to this house in 1969. um, And at that time, it is said he witnessed a heavy painting float off the wall and come to rest on the floor. The following year, Jimmy Page bought the house. Fuck. Jimmy Page was obsessed with Aleister Crowley. Yeah. And so he bought the house because he was a collector of all things Aleister Crowley. It is said that in the 20 years that Jimmy Page owned the house, he spent no more than six weeks there total. Damn. I could see him not wanting to live there. Yeah. He thought it'd be a nice place to rent mu- or uh, play music. Yeah. He said that there were too many bad vibes there and the bad vibes were already there by the time he yeah. got there. But he kept the house for 20 years and he had his childhood friend, a man named Malcolm Dent, mm-hmm. move in as the caretaker okay. of the house. 
You got to hear the stories Malcolm Dent tells about this house because he says when he moved in, he arrived as a total skeptic. But there are things that happened to him in the house that he cannot explain. He said that, among other things, one night he had a guest in the house, a girl who stayed for the night, who awoke screaming in the middle of the night, claiming that she was being attacked by some kind of devil. Oh, my God. Another night, Malcolm Dent was roused by what sounded like a wild animal clawing and snorting at his bedroom door. He dared not open it until daybreak, but when he did, there was nothing there. But he says whatever it was, was pure evil. Uh, I felt like I was going to get jump scared for some reason. I had this, this feeling of like I had to cover my eyes because the imagery in my head was so vivid that I was like, yeah. oh, no. Malcolm Dent would report throughout the years doors suddenly springing open as if somebody was running through them. Shit. And then in the middle of the night, the same doors would slam shut. Yeah. He said that when he would come out in the morning, he would often find rugs piled up in the corner like the rugs would just be pushed off to the side i like to believe in manifesting stuff like i feel like the human brain is really more powerful than we think it is and yeah. like if, if you know you 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 put out there like i want today be positive and you know like the secret yeah so I, in my head i'm imagining alistair crowley just manifested the most evil shit on top of there just being evil shit happening over time and also built on a burnt church. Well, listen to this. Yeah. Apparently, Jimmy Page, because he was such a collector of things, uh, all things Aleister Crowley, he bought once seven chairs from a place called Cafe Royale in London because the each chair had belonged to a famous person and had a nameplate on the back and front. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the chairs had belonged to Aleister Crowley. Okay. But he bought all seven. Some of the other famous people that these chairs belong to. Now, I don't know if these chairs were part of another secret society. Possibly. That's where they came from. Illuminati. Possibly. Uh, These are names of famous people that I don't know who they are. So how famous are they? But Mary Lloyd, Billy Butlin, James Agate, Rudolph Valentino. That one I recognize. William Orpin and Jacob Epstein. Okay. Well, listen to this. Apparently, the chairs were placed around a table And at the head of the table was always placed Aleister Crowley's chair. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, the chairs needed to be repaired. And after they were repaired, they kept finding that Crowley's chair had been switched with Mary Lloyd's chair. And they didn't know why. They would arrange the chairs. They would put the Aleister Crowley chair at the head of the table. They would leave for the night. And when they would come back, it would be a different chair at the head of the table. And the Mary Lloyd chair would be there. I don't like that. Malcolm Dent realized, according to him, the person who repaired the chairs replaced the nameplates incorrectly. Oh. And he put the Mary Lloyd nameplate on the Aleister Crowley chair. And so they would put the Mary Lloyd chair there, but it was the wrong chair. And somehow, over the course of the night, the chairs would switch themselves back. Did Aleister Crowley, how did he die? Did we go into I don't know. Okay. I didn't I, I didn't wondering. look that up. Okay. I only I only looked up the house. Sure. Okay, so as I mentioned in two in the year 2000, a BBC film crew uh came to film a documentary called The Other Loch Ness Monster and they said that the film crew brought along priests and um other spiritual like mediums mediums and stuff to protect them. Okay. From everything <laughs> going on in the house. Shit. 
And even that being said, they, with all of that, they were still plagued and attacked. They said that they were attacked by a plague of beetles, suffered uh, repeated equipment failures, experienced strangely similar nightmares about Crowley. The film crew did. They also said that one night when they were trying to film in the graveyard, uh, their lights would explode and shower glass and sparks down on them. Their camera tripods would fall over and their cell phones kept ringing and having alarms go off despite the fact that nobody was calling them and no alarms were set. Um, In December of 2015, a fire broke out at the house while nobody was home. Jesus. Uh, and it burned down everything except the external walls. Are those still up or did they demolish? Uh, the walls are still there and currently nobody owns the house, but it is owned by like a society that's trying to rebuild it and turn it into like a public um, oh. monument so that the public could visit it. So are they trying to build it like the same way? It, They're it trying to rebuild okay. it up. Yeah. That'd be cool. But it keeps like that. catching on fire. Fuck. Uh, because I guess it, uh, it caught on fire again in 2019 and, and they don't know why. So that is the story of Boleskine House. I, I'm starting to think every bad thing that happens in society is because of Aleister Crowley. Maybe. I think he, he, he made uh, the world fucked. I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. That was. Oh, this awesome. story was fascinating. Yeah. I, I just when I heard about this house, uh, I just kept looking and the rabbit hole went so deep. As soon as I found out that supposedly a wizard had raised zombies <laughs> in the graveyard, yeah. I was sold. Um, apparently, the house has a secret tunnel that leads to the graveyard as well. There's all kinds of weird shit yeah, in the Leskin house. It sounds way cooler than the Winchester house or whatever. Yeah, and let's not forget, it sits on Loch Ness. So you can get a view of Nessie yeah. while you're there as well. My last thing tonight mm. uh, for, for this episode is I have a theory. I'm going to start a new urban legend today. Something out there nobody's talked about. Mega strange theory. Mega strange theory. You familiar with the artist Lil Peep? I love Lil Peep. Goth boy jumping on stage. Carry me away. I think Lil Peep may have sold his soul to the devil. Fuck. That would make sense. Lil Peep. Dude. For people who don't know, was a was a rapper yeah. who died in 2017. November 15, 2017, he died three months after the release of his debut album. Mm-hmm. Lil Peep is known as an emo rapper, is known for expressing very personal things in his lyrics. Yeah, there's a and, lot of devil imagery, yeah. And is regarded for basically uh, sharing his personal truth. Mm-hmm. Lil Peep went by the name Hellboy, a.k.a. Hellboy. Yep. And uh, in his music videos, there's a lot of devil imagery. There's a lot of upside-down crosses. Yeah. I want to share some lyrics from Lil Peep songs. Which song? I have a couple here. All right. So Lil Peep has a song called High School. Yep. In the song High School, he sings, please pray for me. I can never hide. My ghosts come everywhere I go. Tell heaven, don't wait for me. Satan waiting at the gate for me. Oh, shit. Satan waiting at the gate for me. But in Lil Peep is like, say and wait and at the gate. That was a bad joke. That was, <laughs> that was me trying to do some emo rap. R.I.P. Uh, in the song Haunt You. Oh, shit. Lil, Lil Peep sings. Um, I could do anything I want to. Bump Lil Peep. When I die, I'm going to haunt you. I could live forever if I want to. I could stop time, but I never want to do that again. 
Nothing worse than losing a friend. And the feeling you get when everybody that you love ain't around. I really got to get away from this town. I'm just waiting for a wave and I'll drown. Satan letting me down. Dude. What is Satan letting him down about? Perhaps a deal that they made? Check this out. In the song, Problems, he sings, Spent a lot of time in the background. I know I spent a lot of time in the background. Later on in the same song, he says the line, I made a deal with the devil. And at the end of the song, he writes, Take what the devil offers. I got nothing to lose. Shit. And with that, I will leave it. The legend of Lil Peep, he died three months after his album was released. Dude. And he himself sings in his songs, I made a deal with the devil. The devil gave him his final bar of Xanax. <laughs> Here, little peep, <laughs> this hits on me. <laughs> That's Thank awesome. you for watching today's episode. That concludes this episode of Mega Strange. It's an extra long, supersized episode. This yes. has been our myths and legends of the music industry. If you like this episode, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Leave a comment, actually. Uh, yes. What do you think about these legends? Were there any that tickled your fancy? Were there ones that sounded rather stupid? <laughs> Were there any that sounded kind of believable? And also, what music legends did we miss? If we do another episode... Let us yeah. know if there's any stories out there, urban legends or anything like that, that you would like us to cover because there's so many and we kind of barely even scratched the surface, though I think we have yeah. uh, Selling Your Soul Down. Oh, 100%. That, that one's been covered. We could do more Paul's Dead, but we'll see. Let us know. Let us know uh, what you think. We really appreciate you sticking with us and watching this episode. And um, I guess that's all I have to say okay. for this show. Um. Let me get something that's possessed. Go get something that's possessed. Yeah. Uh, while he does that, I'm going to remind everybody out there that you can follow us on Instagram at Mega Strange Podcast, where you will get a little bit of insight uh, into some of these stories. We share additional photos and nuggets of information. Um, and you can also follow us personally on Instagram. I am Derek Acosta only, and Johnny is uh, Catboy Slim. Catboy underscore slim. If you want, more importantly, hit us up on YouTube. We really need your help to get us into that algorithm so we can grow our audience and take this show on spaceship mode. Whoa! You got the demonic dancing skeleton. What the hell is that?